everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sixty Cents Podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Jonathan Guybe here. And, you know, last episode that we had, Uriah left us, and we're very sad that Uriah is not going to be recording with us anymore. But there has been a few changes at our site that I think is important to go over before we get into tonight's subject. First being, first and foremost, uh, besides Uriah leaving as our producer, Jonathan's coming on as our producer. But not only that, Jonathan has gotten a promotion. Jonathan is taking over for me. I am stepping down as the site expert for the Sixer Cents after almost five years running the site with Chris. Uh, I just have other personal matters and my other job that needs my attention more. And that being said, I'm still going to be writing for the site and I'm still going to be hosting this podcast. That being said, Jonathan, uh, I think, is more than capable of taking over as my uh, over my duties as the site expert. And I think me and Chris are both excited to have Jonathan on as our producer. Right, Jonathan? Yeah, absolutely. There's big changes, and I'm, I'm really appreciative to be working with both you and looking forward to the new role as the site expert and coming on and getting getting the hang of this producing thing. So thanks. Yeah, we're super excited to have you, John. Um, unfortunately, we don't have Uriah's soundboard at the moment, so we can't do like the cheering noises or anything. But or the I'm gonna miss the whoosh the most. This episode. can't do the whoosh <laughs> either, which sucks. But yes, we're, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to work with you more, John, and to have you on the pod. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good it's a good transition. Like I said, I I need to focus on my daughter and work and all that other stuff. So I'm still going to be here on podcast, but I the site is in good hands with uh, Jonathan taking my place along with Chris still doing it. Chris, you, you know, Chris, you doing your thing. You know, you 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 know what you do. You know what you do. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. That being said, let's get into it. Right, Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, tough, uh, tough loss for obviously coming off of when we're recording tonight. But looking back at Friday night when we played the Spurs. Curious your guys look into the starters, the bench, kind of how how we played in that Friday night game against the Spurs. Chris, we can start with you. Yeah, I mean, 137-125, Philadelphia won the game, obviously. Um, a game they should be winning. The Spurs are near the bottom of the league. They were missing several key players in this game, starting Josh Richardson at point guard, which, as we all know in Philly, is never a good sign when it comes to uh, good winning basketball games. So Philly had the advantage from the jump here. Obviously, Joel, with 33 points on 18 shots, was the standout. He continues to do special things just about every night. I mean, that's like, those are season averages, 33 and 10. Like, it's not... That would be a great game for most people and, and outside the box, amazing performance on most nights for most people. But it's what he's giving us every night. He's just an incredible player at this point. James had 16 points, eight assists, 24 minutes. The Sixers had this game in the bag for the most part. Didn't have to play their guys a lot of minutes, which is helpful. Um, and Melton had a good game as well. 13 points on seven shots, hit three of his four three-point attempts. Yeah, other than P.J. doing just about nothing on offense, which has been the case 98% of the time this year, it was it was really good showing for the starters. Yeah, look, the six the, the score does not indicate how big of a gap this game actually was. The final score was 137-125. But as you said, Chris, Joel's doing what's 33-10. and 10. That's normal now. 
Like it, it would be weird if he got less than 30 at this point. Yeah. In um, 27 minutes. <laughs> in 27, 28. Yeah. 27, 28 minutes. Tobias. This was a weird game for Tobias. No three pointer, three point attempts, only seven shots, eight points. Um, that was kind of weird, but I mean, at the same time, only 26 minutes. So it's, it's weird. Melton had a good game. Harden solid. Eight assists in 25 minutes is good for almost anybody. So that's great. I, I can't really say much else. I mean, PJ did PJ things. I'm that's all I'm going to say. PJ did PJ things. Yeah. Well, um, obviously both touching on Embiid. He, he had a monster game. What about the bench? I mean, Maxie came off, gave a little spark. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah. 25 points, 27 minutes. One of his better games since coming back from the injury. One of his better games since being moved to the bench. Seems like this sick man thing is, is, what it's going to be moving forward doesn't seem like he's going to move back into the starting five anytime soon. So we're going to have to get used to it. He, his aggressiveness was really big in this game. And he's part of why they got out to such a quick lead in that first and second quarter. Had four assists to go alongside his 25 points. Eight of 15 from the field, three or four from deep, six of seven at the charity stripe. Very well-rounded performance from him. Didn't turn the ball over once. Had a steal and a block. That's as good as it's going to get. I mean, if he sticks out in this sick man role the whole season, we might be talking about an awards candidate because the list of bench players who are better and more productive than Tyrese Maxey is pretty pretty darn short. So yeah, that that'll be something to keep an eye on as the season progresses. Um, but yeah, Maxey was great. George was great. Had thirteen on eight shots, hit three threes. Shake had fourteen off the bench. Really, again, not not a lot to complain about. This was a pretty thorough victory. The Sixers let San Antonio make a bit of a run there late, but this game was in the bag the whole way through. And you know who I blame? I blame Daniel House Jr. He was the only person that him and Korkmaz were the only two. Oh, no, my bad. Actually, I can't blame PJ. It's actually going to be Paul Reed. Minus 14, Chris. Come on. He's your guy, and he's he, he got minus 14 in that game. In fairness, I think that was just, you know, the Sixers coasting. I'm not actually giving Paul Reed any grief. He had four, four points in four minutes, two rebounds, both of them offensive. Um, Daniel House didn't look great. Look, George's Niang has had a career year. I don't think that's being talked about enough. Jake Milton has looked the best he's played since his emergence in his second year. I mean, Jake Mil- Milton's going to get paid. I said that last podcast. I'm going to say it again. He's going to get paid this offseason. And he's going to have a bigger role on whatever team he goes to. Tobias didn't even look terrible. Two of four on the uh, of shooting, had two steals, plus 13. It, it was a win all around, absolutely, for the bench. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And obviously, when we're talking Spurs, they have an assistant coach on their team that is very familiar to um, Philadelphia 76ers fans, Brett Brown, who steered us through the process. Um so I just want to get your guys' take. What do you think about him potentially having the opportunity to be a head coach in this league again? Um, I It would excite me. I, I think he deserves it. I, I think in general he did a very good job with the Sixers, especially if you're a young rebuilding team. I, like I think the Houston Rockets could use Brett Brown right now, a team like that, that, that just doesn't have a ton of direction, has a lot of young pieces that need to figure it out, that isn't going to win anytime soon necessarily, but wants to start building the right habits right now. 
Brett Brown was really great at that in Philly during those process years, keeping the ship on course despite all the losing. I, I think he'd be great for a team like Houston, a team like San Antonio even, if they didn't have Greg Popovich. Um, so, yeah, I, am, I, I think Brett has earned that chance. Obviously, once Philly got to the point where they were trying to win a championship, things things went in a different direction. There was plenty of valid criticism about Brett's coaching decisions and his style, many of which Doc has just, you know, Doc has just doubled down on all the things we didn't like about Brett Brown, but that's okay. I, I was about to say, did we really get um, a change in coach? Yeah, I, I mean, the Sixers, <laughs> I, I would say unequivocally that I would prefer to just hit Brett Brown, but that's okay. That's not important right now. Um, yeah, like Brett's a great guy, A-plus human being. Just, we all, I think, saw the Ricky videos of, of the trip out there. He greeted all the fans, talked about how his family's still in Philly. Just a cool guy. The city still loves him, clearly, and I do hope he gets another shot. I'm sure he will, and I, like you said, Houston, there's been rumblings out of there saying that another young players have improved, and as much as I like Silas um, as a person, I think as a head coach, there hasn't been It's clear been that much. he's not a good coach. They're, they're yeah. clearly a very poorly coached team. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, you got Kevin Porter Jr. as your point guard. It's not it's not a good look. Um, that being said, they don't have a great option on the bench either. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think Brett Brown could be certainly a guy that could help that, that franchise out. Um, I think he'll get a shot when he wants it. I don't think he wants it right now, and I think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen him. I think he's okay with where he's at. Yeah, I'm a full, well-documented Brett Brown stan. I uh, I hate how he was kind of done in the process. So I, I hope he gets another job, too. Um, but we've obviously avoided it long enough. I think we should talk a little bit about the Knicks game that we just watched. Sixers got out to a, I think, 20-point lead in the first quarter um, and, and ended up losing the game. So what are you guys' takeaways? I mean, why don't we start with the starters again? How about you, Chris? Um, you know, not ideal how this game went. Obviously, the Sixers jumped out to a 21-point lead in the first quarter, which is pretty much what they did against Orlando about a week or so ago when they lost that game. They have a really bad habit of doing this. They they get up big, and every time they blow the lead, it's really remarkable how comfortable they are just coasting once they, they build up an early victory. Um, we'll talk more about the bench. The starters were really not the problem in this game. The bench was the problem. Uh, but the starters were the ones who closed the game. New York outplayed him down the stretch. Joel had five turnovers, a lot of careless plays from him. Not, you know, the effort you'd like to see sometimes on the boards and on the defensive end out of Joel. Into the game with 31 points and 14 boards. So I'm, I'm not going to complain too much on 16 shots, no less. But... Wasn't that Joel's best game relative to his very high standards? James had 12 points, 8 boards, 12 assists. Again, not not too much to complain about there. But defensively, they targeted him quite a bit down the stretch. Impaired mm-hmm. goals, getting him switched on to Jalen Brunson. And, and Brunson was quite effective. Brunson's just a really hard guy to defend. That's not necessarily like an indictment on James. But that's something a lot of teams are going to do in the playoffs, is they're going to get James on an island and they're going to try to make him defend. So that, that's something we will see in the future. Um, PJ 
one of his best offensive games of the season. 10 points. Good for him. Uh, 14 for Tobias. 10 boards. 14 for D'Anthony Melton. Got really hot early. Hit three threes in the first quarter. It was much quieter after that point. But I, I think Joel's sloppiness and PJ's above-average performance are probably the more notable takeaways from this game. And then there's the bench that we'll talk about, which was just not good. <laughs> yeah, look, on the surface, Joel had a great game. But as you said, Chris, there was times where he seemed kind of disinterested. And this kind of goes to, back to a Doc Rivers slash Joel problem where Doc Rivers does not always coach up to the competition. Joel does not always play up to the competition. Yes, he'll get his numbers. Nobody's denying that. But Doc took his foot off the gas pedal here, and I think everybody saw that. Now, in Doc's defense, he did try to adjust in the second half with some uh, bench rotations. But overall, it was not a uh, great look. Um. Like you said, Tucker had one of his best games. They dared him to shoot, and he shot, and he made it. Great for him. Melton. I would have liked some more points out of James Harden, honestly. Uh, struggled 0-4 from the three-point line. Uh, but at the same time, 12 assists, I can't complain that much, and he was a plus 15. Uh, but, yeah, Jonathan, let's let's get to the bench, man, because I got yeah. some things to say. Yeah, well, before we get to the bench, I did want to say Harden had, I think, nine of those assists in the first quarter. So he kind of started coasting, but um, he did. He was plus 15. That is a good point. But, yeah, why why stall any longer? Chris and Lucas go uh, go off on the bench. Chris, do you mind if I go first here? Yeah, go for it. Chris, this is the exact reason why we need to get another center. And I know that we've been bogged down with center positions in the past, but Chris— Montrez and Paul Reed. Paul Reed's a better rebounder, but overall, their their weaknesses is rebounding the ball, especially against bigger guys like uh, Hardenstein and even Obi Toppin. I mean, if Tobias Harris has to grab ten bo- boards and Reed and Harold combine for zero boards in eleven minutes, that's a big problem. And I mean, Yang's not going to grab you a lot of boards. He only had one board. We don't expect Yang to be a rebounder. We need to get a big rebounder. And guess what? Chicago, I, I, I think we got to go back and get try to trade for uh, DeAndre George. I mean, Andre Drummond. I think that's our best bet. If, uh, look, he was the best backup that Joel's ever had. And I think that he's the best option outside of maybe my, Mason Plumley. But I don't know if we get Mason Plumley. I, I, I make a trade for if we're winning, if we're trying to win this season, I make a I make a win now move and trade for Andre Drummond as a backup. I think he's better option than Harold. Especially Harold, possibly Paul Reed. It depends on the matchup. Um, okay, so here, here's my counter to that. Um, you know, this was not Paul Reed's best night. I, I think these were atypically poor minutes out of Paul Reed. Um, they were minus 14 in the eight minutes he was out there. Obviously, Montrez was minus 15 in three minutes. We, we all know at this point that Montrez is just not very good. I Whether he's playing or not, it, it's pretty much beyond debate like we know that he's not going to hold up in the playoffs I, I think with Paul I'd still be pretty comfortable arguing that they should just play Paul Reed if they can't get someone like Jared Vanderbilt like like if you're if Jared Vanderbilt is your quote-unquote backup center and you're doing smaller groups and getting more versatile talent out there I'd be all for that Vanderbilt's an awesome player he's been he's the, he's the exact team. same type of players Paul Reed the only thing is he's a little bit more refined he doesn't make the. That's fine. Uh, Rando's an amazing rebounder and an amazing. He is. 
he would compete. He, he's okay. Game. He's not a rim protector, though. That's the only thing. He's not a rim protector. He blocks his fair amount of shots. He's not like he averages three point zero. He averages point three blocks per game, Chris. He's not spectacular as a shot blocker. He, he is not the Joel Gobert style rim protector, but he does. No, 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 no. no. I'm with Chris big, on this one. You'd rather have Van- Vanderbilt versus Drummond. I would. Vanderbilt is a ten times the better player than Drummond at this point. Like I, mm, I, I don't Andre. know. Andre's getting like ten minutes a night for a really crappy Bulls team. Like, well, no, no, no. The reason why is because they paid so much for Nikola Vucevic, and they're not going to like bunch Vucevic for Drummond because I think Drummond's sure. the better between the two of them. The Sixers paid a lot of money to Joel Embiid, who's much better than Vucevic. So, I, the thing is, Drummond he was not on track to be very suitable in the playoffs for Philly either. I, I think. Philly fans have a slightly inflated sense of what Andre Drummond gave the team. I love the guy. He was great as a person, and he's not bad. But Paul Reed has shown that he can be a very impactful, versatile defender. He has shown signs of progress on offense when he's actually played. He'll probably have fewer nights like this if he actually gets to build up a rhythm over time and gets consistent minutes. That's fair, but... But we Just know that Paul that's Reed. not going to happen. That, no, look, I'm not disagreeing. I think, you know, if pro- developed properly, Paul Reed can be just as good as Jared Vanderbilt. But the issue is that Doc River hates developing young big man. He has a track record of it. Yes, sure. he'll go for the occasional guard, but he's never developed a young that's Like, fair. the last young big man that I remember that he actually took time to, to develop was Glenn was Big good. Baby Davis, Okay. I know that might be a little old, old for you young kids, but like, and also, oh, wait, so well, no, Jonathan, I know you're him. my son. I know you. So sorry. I, I forgot, Jonathan. You just look a lot younger than me. I forget that we're the same age, but still. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I will say again, Vanderbilt, just because he's been mentioned, doesn't seem very likely at this point, but I, I mean, that's like a borderline top 100 player kind of guy. I, I think just on talent alone, he'd be really great. A really impactful defender. I, I think in the playoffs, you're not going to do much better than PJ and Vanderbilt in the front court when Joel sits. Like, oh yeah, no. During during the playoffs, PJ is going to be the primary backup. I I I feel that way. Yeah, and even in the regular season, I think that's a pretty good look. Um, yeah. Would so, you would you trade Paul Reed for Vanderbilt? I I consider it. I think Vando's really good. Um, mm. Yeah. Wow. So, I can't believe you actually said that. Yeah. I I mean. I think Thibel is where you're starting with those conversations. Oh, you um, have to, yeah. So, but yeah, anyways, that's beyond the point. The bench was really bad in this game. Uh, the backup center issue is they're probably going to trade for some veteran like Nerlens Noel, who, you know. I'm okay with that. He's a versatile not defender. Than Paul Reed, like straight up, I think Paul Reed is better than Nerlens Noel. I don't, I mean, I think I he has the better basketball. That's fine. He can, he can block some shots, but. Um, I mean, defensively, I think Noel's better. Offensively, I think they're about the same. Maybe, maybe Paul Reed can be better if he actually got more playing time. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's, yeah. I think Paul Reed. Maybe I'm just. You're you're biased. biased. It's okay. Yeah, biased you're, beyond reason at this point. But I yeah, literally yeah. think he is better than most of the backup centers that people are talking about in relation to Philly. I don't think he's better than Plumley. I don't think he's better than Vanderbilt, but those are pretty expensive guys who are going to be hard to get. So, I mean, yeah. I'm in favor look, look, just... look, you can make a trade for Plumley if you include, like, say, that, that or Hornet second round pick that we have for this year, right? You have that. 
then you can put together Daniel House and Cork Moss's contracts, and he equals out. What you do is you trade Montrez into cap space and dump him and give Doc no other choice. That's what you do. Oh, no, no, no. I, I agree. I agree on that. Absolutely. If they're looking to do a salary dump, I mean, yeah, by all means, uh, San Antonio has the space. Um, or uh, or uh, what's his name? Uh, the Pacers. Yeah, those are the only two teams I think have that have space that can do that. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, look, Max. Uh, oh, sorry, Jonathan. Did you want to chime in? No, I was just going to say, uh, I, I think we went on a little t- tangent there. Um, clearly oh, that's, the bench, that's okay. <laughs> clearly the bench needs some uh, some upgrading. But I didn't know yeah. if you had any more touches on that before I moved on to the next topic. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, Shake had it off night, and Maxie only uh, took eight shots from the field. But to be fair, Joel only had 16. So it's not like – Shake still had the – fourth most field goal attempts, but like, I need more from shake to be, I mean, not shake to uh, Tyrese. I need more from Tyree. I need him to be more aggressive to be honest, but to be give to let's give New York some credit here. They're going to be a playoff team. I don't, I think they they have a good shot to be a top six. Um, Brunson should have been an all-star. Randall is an all-star quickly is becoming, even though he had an off night tonight, he was really good. They have really quality depth. I mean, Miles McBride doesn't even play half the time, and he came in and scored 14 points, was a plus 34. Uh, he's a really good defender, and if given minutes, he can actually produce on offense. So um, shout out West Virginia. But overall, yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, the Knicks, we can't sleep on them. I mean, they gave us a good fight on Christmas Day too. So I'm not saying that the Knicks, we should be worried about the Knicks in the playoffs, but they're going to put up a good fight. Absolutely. Well, that's like a perfect segue, Lucas. I was, um, next question was going to be, what do you think is keeping the Knicks from being in that title contention? What is, what are they missing? Um, maybe we'll start with Chris on this one. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting. They're, they're kind of stuck in no man's land where they're, you know, they're, they're really solid back half of the playoff picture kind of team, which can is really not the best place to be in. It's not the worst place to be in, but I, I think it comes down, honestly, to top-end talent. Like, Julius Randle is now a two-time All-Star. He made All-NBA a couple of years ago. Jalen Brunson has been awesome for this team. But when you look at the true contenders, they, they just have – better superstars I, I don't know if you can really call randall or brunson a superstar number one player on a championship contending team i agree knicks have a lot of good role players you know quentin grimes is awesome they're mitchell robinson and rj barrett when they're healthy and playing are awesome but those guys haven't been super reliable this season barrett's efficiency has been all over the place robinson gets hurt a lot that has been part of the issue is especially Barrett just not taking the leap that a lot of people expected. Um, but, I mean, the role players are there quickly. Grimes, Hartenstein, all those guys are really solid players. Obi Toppin has showed some flashes. They they have a pretty decent, well-balanced roster. Say what you will about Tom Thibodeau. It might be kind of a Doc Rivers thing where he elevates your floor but lowers your ceiling because he, he's a bit mm-hmm. too stubborn at times. But I really think it comes down to the fact that you're just not going to go anywhere if your best player is Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle. Those guys are great, and I think they'd be really awesome as like the second and third best player in the team, but I, I think the Knicks need that one more 
superstar level talent to really take them into the uh, the realm of contenders. Yeah, absolutely. I agree there. I think that you hit the nail right on the head. They should have they should have closed out on the uh, Donovan Mitchell trade because I think if they could have, you have a backboard of Brunson and Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle as your third. I mean, or se- second or third. I think we talk about the Knicks being a real threat instead of the, instead of the Cavs, um, which I I don't even know if the Cavs are a real threat. But I think the Knicks have the support systems in place, a better depth where they could have made that trade and still been okay. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I honestly think that they they have a they are a superstar away, and I don't know if they're going to get that superstar. That's, that's, that's the real question, right? Are they going to be able to get that superstar? We don't know. And they got some young guys who are coming up on some contract extensions, and they're not going to be afford, be able to afford everybody. So now is the time to strike, and – I mean, we just uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, but we just saw a superstar get traded. And I don't know if there's another one that's going to become available anytime soon. Yeah, the Knicks, I mean, they were the like the bottom of the league for so many years. And honestly, I feel like this might be worse for them because they're not bad enough to get a good pick, but they're not good enough to actually compete like you're in no man's land. And and I mean, you're winning games and going to the playoffs, but you're, you're probably just as likely of winning a championship as you were a couple of years ago. So who knows? Um, but Lucas, to, you to, were talk- oh. to, I was about to say, to be fair, this is much better than what Knicks had to go through in the early 2000s uh, before Carmelo Anthony and after. Very valid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I there is value in being like, a playoff team and winning mm-hmm. games and filling seats and you're always going to fill seats in New York and I, I don't want to undersell Brunson who's been like a he should have been an all-star this player. year I, I would have yeah like Brunson should have been the Knicks all-star if they were going to have one uh, yeah. Brunson's been awesome Randall has been incredible himself they have good talent they have a, a good team again I, I just don't think they have the top notch guys to really win it all agreed yeah, Lucas, you said um, Brunson got snubbed from being an all-star. What about Harden? What do you think on that? <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so um, we have – so me and Chris, we decided to dub it the lost episode. We have a lost episode of the podcast that we were never able to air. And we talked about Joel getting snubbed as a starter. But now we got to talk about James Harden getting snubbed from the game altogether. Look, James Harden is leading the league in assists. He's still averaging 22-11, and 11, which I saw a stat on Twitter – which is like better numbers than what Steve Nash put up when he won uh, those two MVPs. Yet he got snubbed from the All-Star game. And I granted, I'll, I'll, you know, the only argument that I can see against it is that he missed a chunk full of games. That's the only argument I can see against it. But like he's better than DeMar DeRozan, whose team's kind of sucking right now. He's I, I forget the other starters uh, reserves off the top of my head, like. Drew Holiday, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Okay, Halliburton should have definitely been in there. You could make a strong argument that James should be in there over uh, Drew Holiday. I got to yeah, put I, back, though, on games missed because on the West, you have Zion played 50% of games. He's a starter. You have Paul George and who was the other one? Oh, Jared um, Jackson Jr. both missed 17 games and their reserves. I, I don't know that that's technically the case. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, look, the West is difficult because the depth in the front court is so limited that it's kind of hard to properly gauge that for the West. Um, look, you would have had to play. You you have would have 
it's either you go for somebody that missed a lot of games or you go for Aaron Gordon, which I think me and Chris both agreed that we wanted Aaron Gordon in there. But a lot of people would not have been happy if Aaron Gordon got over in there over some other people. Yeah, I, I mean, here's what I will say. I, I think the guys who got in on the surface are all very deserving candidates. Drew Holiday, one of the best defenders on the face of the earth. Terry's Halliburton, I probably should have started in my book. Frankly, if we're cutting a guard from the East, it'd probably be Kyrie in my book, but the fans all voted him in as a starter, so we don't yeah. have to of getting rid of him. But Can he even start for the East? Now? Well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, DeRozan on the surface, fine, whatever, but like James is better than all those guys. James should have been an all-star. It's ridiculous that James wasn't, wasn't an all-star. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, you're right. You know, Uriah, Jonathan, I don't know how often you listen to the podcast, but Uriah always used to say there was a bias in the national media towards Philly, and I definitely feel like that's the case here. I don't know if it's even towards Philly. I think it's towards James, or just the general under un, un, underappreciation of James, because he set the bar so high in Houston, and I understand yeah. it. Like, like, he's well below what we're used to out of him, and I think that's part of it, is... People just don't really understand what he's doing now relative well, to what he used to do. I would so, gladly carry that torch for Uriah forward because I think the national media does um, have a little negative perception and, and doesn't treat us the best. Uh, but one of the things I was going to say about Drew Holiday, when he was announced, TNT didn't even have highlights to show for him being an all-star like they did every other player. Like, I Oh, legit- wow. I legitimately think the TNT show and the producers were stunned. Because they had nothing ready. They had no highlights to show. It was like kind of embarrassing, but that kind of threw me off. But one yeah. of the things that you two both seemed to be um, kind of implying almost, though, was that Harden, he isn't his Houston self. He's kind of more pass first. And Doc was quoted recently saying that he thinks because he's being a little more unselfish and changing his game that maybe the stats may not be as eye popping or, or something like that. And that's why people are underestimating you or him. Do you guys yeah. put any, yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. The thing I think is, there's though, validity there. The stats are still pretty eye popping. He's averaging 21, six and 11. He's leading the league in assists per game. Okay. But, but he was averaging but, but, like 37 in Houston. Yeah. I know, yeah. 37, like nine and I, seven. I think yeah. People are, are too caught up in what he used to be. And I think that's part of the issue is just, he set the bar so high and now that he's not crossing it like he used to, mm-hmm. maybe people are, are not appreciating the magnitude of what he's still doing. Like, yeah. I think James is still a top 20 guy. He's was seven on the NBA.com MVP ladder. I don't know if he should be that high, but like, he's been a really important piece for one of the best teams in the NBA this year. He yeah. elevates guys. In, in a way that very few superstars do. So, yeah. A lot of guys are having career A lot of guys this season are having career years. Joel, J- uh, Niang, Melton. Uh, all those guys are having career years. And, you know, Tobias might not have the counting stats in terms of, like, points per game, but he's having one of the best statistic- shooting uh, seasons of his career, too. I you know, Look, James Harden makes everybody better. He's not going to be the... Look, if he was the number one guy, could he get you 30 on a regular basis? Yeah, but it probably would be a little bit more inefficient at this point. I like this version of James Harden. I think this version of James Harden, if, you know, if the media was not 
look, James left the sour taste in everybody's mouth about how he handled things with Houston and then with Brooklyn. But to be fair, I think he's vindicated from both those situations because Houston has been nothing but like garbage since then. And we, we all just saw what happened with Kyrie. So I, I feel like James is probably vindicated in both of those scenarios. Um, that being said, you know, the media is going to do what they do. I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull your eye here and I feel like it is media biased, not only to what you said, Chris, in terms of what he used to do, but also, I mean, no, the media didn't even vote on this. This was the coaches. So who knows? Maybe, I don't, I don't know. It just, it feels weird. It feels weird that he didn't get there over like DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. He's had, a, he's had another great season, but he's not on a winning team. Their team's not even, are they in the, even in the play-in right now? I don't even know, but I feel like they're closer to a top pick versus the play-in. Yeah, Bulls are the uh, the nine seed right now. Okay, but they have a crappy record, right? Yeah, they're two games below five hundred. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, like, why? I don't. I don't yeah. get it. So, yeah, I, I mean, sure. I, I, I don't know if that's. I don't necessarily have a problem rewarding. Like, again, the Pacers are now five games below. They were much better before Halliburton got hurt, so that's not quite the same with Tyrese. Um, but, like, Pascal Siakam was as egregious, maybe, a, a snub as James. And oh, the absolutely. Very, very poor. So but to be fair, the the, the, yeah, but to be to be fair on that one, the the front court in the East is a lot, a lot more loaded than the back court, in my opinion. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think James has just been objectively better than those guys, even if you don't factor in team success. So yeah, it, it's disappointing. I, I'm not mad at any one particular person getting in. Uh, I, I mean, Jolie Sarandos is probably the worst all-star in the East, but I'm not mad at any one person. I, I just think James should have been in there over someone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think that's that's fair. Let's go ahead and switch gears again. Yeah, Lucas, you've uh, teased it twice, I think, so far. So yeah. obviously, news of the day, we got to dive in. Kyrie Irving traded to the Mavs. Um, initial thoughts, Chris. Let's start with you. Um, you know, good luck to Dallas. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I on love paper, Luca and Kyrie should be a lot of fun to watch and. You know, you need to make a swing with with Luca and try to win. Now I get it. Um, they're giving up their best defensive player on a team that got very far last season, in part because of his defense. They're giving up a very reliable. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two-way point guard and playmaker and Spencer Dinwiddie for Kyrie, who I, I think is a star, maybe not really a superstar, and who has been distinctly unreliable over the past couple of years. Um, I think it's like a high ceiling, low floor kind of thing where if Kyrie behaves himself and doesn't do anything particularly stupid on the internet and doesn't 
completely tear up the locker room and has a chance to work. Like, like we've seen Kyrie compliment LeBron James quite well. Um, Luca's going to give him a ton of easy looks attacking off the catch. It, it's probably a very good spot for Kyrie offensively. Um, and Luca needs the help. But flip side of that is that we haven't seen Kyrie do those things in quite a long time. He, he has blown up every locker room for his past three teams now. I just don't know if you can trust the guy. Uh, the contract situation will be quite interesting to keep an eye on. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Dallas is going to have to learn how to how to figure out the defensive part of things now because Dorian Finney-Smith is quite important to that team. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a big loss. That was a big loss. Kyrie is obviously a much better individual talent than Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, but those two were very important players for how Dallas's team ran on both sides of the ball. And on the flip side, Brooklyn, they, you know, as far as what they could get for Kyrie, given the state of things, they got two really good players and a pretty great pick. You know, the 2019 unprotected first-round pick. That can have a lot of value. So I, I think Brooklyn did about as well as they could, given the circumstances. And Dallas, Dallas is certainly taking a risk. I, I wouldn't really want to be cheering for Kyrie Irving on my team at this point in time, but it'll be interesting to see how, how him and Luca coexist. Yeah, I, I think you hit a lot of interesting points. Let's start first with Kyrie. This was probably, besides L.A., the most likely situation. I was actually secretly banking on Phoenix because I thought a swap for Chris Paul and Kyrie made a lot of sense for both sides. Um, that being said, look, the, Luca's the next LeBron James minus the athleticism and defense. Uh, but so the fit there offensively, like you said, Chris should be phenomenal. Should be box office. It should be fun. You got a strong, you know, Jason Kidd has gotten a lot better as a head coach since his days in Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and he's done a good job with Luca thus far. And I read that in the report by Adrian Wojnarowski that Jason Kidd pushed for this trade. And there are a lot of familiar faces within that organization that should make Kyrie feel comfortable and should be able to work with Kyrie. Nico Harrison, the GM, used to work with Kyrie back when Kyrie was with Nike. So I I think this is a good spot for him. We'll have to wait and see because, I mean, you got. Chris, I don't know if you remember the fall of Stephon Marbury, but I'm sure, Jonathan, you do. Stephon Marbury was still very much a very capable player, but because of locker room issues and personality issues, he kind of faded out of the NBA very quickly. And that could very well happen to Kyrie here. And if he doesn't get the money that he wants, I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to go play in another league next year. To be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That being said, we'll have to wait and see if Kyrie can quote unquote behave himself because that's where we're at with this guy. As sad as that sounds, that's where we're at. So we have to wait and see if he can adjust to this new role, not new role because he's still the number two, but in terms, if it works, this might catapult Dallas to the top, you know, the biggest threat in the West now and outside of maybe Denver, which I mean, that's still up for debate. I think, you know, Dallas needs to make another another move to get another wing defender to replace Dorian Finney-Smith, but you can do that. You can flip Tim Hardaway Jr. for somebody if you need to. For the Nets, this could be the beginning of the end. We'll have to wait and see. 
I think they, they still have another move or two to make. They have a couple picks now that they can trade. Um, and, you know, they have the filler salary, which will uh, that's a teaser that we'll get into here in a moment. But overall, yeah, when I, uh, when I saw this trade, I mean, I literally, when I saw we were talking about this on the agenda, I just put two words. I said, RIP Dallas. I mean, like, I, I don't see it going well, but we will see. So, Chris, obviously now Brooklyn kind of seems unsure what will happen after the trade deadline, but a little bit in free fall. How does it like ripple effect with the Sixers? Do you think? Um, I mean, it could very well mean that Brooklyn is out of the title hunt, which helps Philly quite a bit. Um, if we're looking at the top of the East, I mean, it was Milwaukee, Boston, Philly. And if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both got back together, healthy Brooklyn, like before Durant got hurt, the Nets looked like a very real contender. They were doing extremely well under Jacques Vaughn. And obviously the Durant injury was unfortunate. And then this Kyrie thing, like again, he's blowing up a very, maybe his best chance to win a a championship. Like, I don't know if his chances in Dallas are particularly stronger than they were in Brooklyn. But this, this is the decision that Kyrie made for one reason or another. And no, it's for the money to be clear. It's for the money. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if Dallas is willing to pay him. Um, and and for Brooklyn, it seems like they're going to try to move on and, and build a contender around Kevin Durant this season to the best of their abilities. I mean, again, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie are two very good players. They, they have the salaries and the draft picks now to go out and make some other moves to get even better. Um, so I, I assume that they're going to still try to build a winner this season. I, it doesn't seem like Durant's going to get traded before the deadline. Now a lot can happen in the next handful of days. As we know, um, things change fast in the NBA. So this could be dated in two days when KD demands a trade. But for now, it seems like they're going to try to build around Kevin Durant. And I, I just don't know if they're going to be quite as good without Kyrie, quite as deadly on the offensive end. But, you know, any team with Durant's still a threat. So we, we can't rank Brooklyn off entirely. Yeah, I think they definitely go down a tier in the terms of, you know, a threat to Philly. Like you said, Chris, they were right up there with the elite of the East. Uh, I think the East, despite being top heavy, is very wide open for everybody. And like you said, they had just as good a shot as any before the Kyrie trade demand. Now, like I said, they could make a trade. They have like they have the salary to make stuff happen. They have the picks, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I personally, I think they should go after the guy like maybe Demar Derozan to pair with Kevin Durant. I think that would be an interesting duo. But we'll have to wait and see. Like I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, what, what if, I do know. Sorry, go ahead. What if um, Brooklyn does decide to just blow it up? What if they just go? All right, we. I mean, Kevin Durant's not gonna. Like he's going to force his way out at some point. If he does that, should the Sixers consider entering that sweepstakes for KD? I mean, Chris, do you mind if I go first? Go for it. I I think they have the ammunition. Look, uh, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris could get you almost anybody. The issue is that they don't have the picks to make. I, I don't. There could be teams that could outbid them in terms of picks, but in terms of talent. If you had the restart of franchise with Tyrese Maxey as, as your cornerstone, I think there are far worse things. And they still got young guys like Nick Claxton, uh, Cam Thomas, 
had a 44-point game. Backcourt of Cam Thomas and Tyrese Maxey would be fun as a rebuilding thing. Nick Claxton, like like I said, has proven to be a really good center. You you have you have the thing, you, but the thing is, you can't really bottom out all the way because they don't have their picks. They all go to Houston. So the issue here is that do you want to bottom out? But if they decide that they do want to trade and reset, the Sixers do have a shot at him. I don't know if they'd be the favorites. Um, like I said, the picks are the issue here. But all the contenders don't really – the only contender that has their – the only team that has all their picks and has superstar talent around them is the Phoenix Suns, and they're kind of a mess right now. So who knows? Mm, Pelicans have a whole lot of picks. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of talent. Okay, yeah, but they also lost uh, really? 10 of their last 11. Thunder? Because Zion's been hurt. But mm-hmm. I, I think it would be – Amazing if the Thunder traded for KD. It'd be a cool moment. Um, I it might be a little early for OKC, but um, I mean, technically, they they could though. They got the talent. They have that. That actually could be interesting. But, yeah, I, I mean, I I think if Philly should obviously throw their, you know, throw their hat in the ring. Like, there's no doubt that they should at least make an offer. Um, I'm a bit more. I, like I, I just frankly think they'll get outbid. I as love much as I love Tyrese Maxey. I there are plenty of good young players on other good teams that have more picks to offer, more other young players to offer. So I don't know. You know, Phoenix has Mikael Bridges and Aiton. Grizzlies have Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, that kind of thing. Like like other teams have young talent plus more picks. So I I don't know if Philly would have any real shot at getting him unless he's like explicitly, I want to go to Philadelphia, um, which is probably a long shot. So I, I would be pretty skeptical of Philly's chances, but they should absolutely throw everything they have at Brooklyn and see if something sticks. Do you uh, see the Nets trying to move Ben Simmons before the trade deadline? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Chris, take this one away. I'll add in whatever you, whatever after you're done. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the report today from out of New York is that Durant has been less than enthralled, quote-unquote, with, with Ben. So it definitely seems like things are not great um, with Ben in the locker room. And just obviously on court, the product has not been where you would expect it with, with Ben Simmons out there. He's, he's been pretty poor on the offensive end, to say the least. Um, but he has a huge contract. So it might be kind of difficult to find a trade for Ben at this point. I, I don't know which teams specifically would have a lot of interest in Ben Simmons. The flip side is that he's still 25, 26 years old with multiple All-NBA noms. He's a multi-time All-Star a Defense Player of the Year candidate if he plays enough. like The talent is still there somewhere. I mean, it's just a matter of confidence. So maybe a team is willing to take the risk. You know, in Indiana, a Charlotte, a team like that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think they will look into it. I don't know if it'll happen because I think it, again, I just think it's going to be kind of difficult to find the right trade um, given the circumstances have been. But I, I think they will consider it for sure. I think that they will try to move on. And I'll, I, I, like Chris said, there's probably not a big market for people that actively want Ben. 
but they they did get some picks. They got they have the Sixers pick, pick they have one of their own picks, and they have the Dallas pick now. That's three picks. They could bundle those picks together. Use Ben Simmons' salary as a way to get get a, a max player if they so choose so, and if one becomes available. That is an option. And I think that's what they'll be looking because I don't think there's only one trade that would make sense to me. And me and Chris talked about this on the last episode where maybe you call Minnesota about Gobert, but I don't I don't think that happens now because Nick Claxton has just looked too, too good. Um, so I don't, I don't know, like Ben Simmons, I think he needs to go to a rebuilding team where he can get his confidence back. But uh, of the rebuilding teams, San Antonio might make sense, but they don't have any a superstar player unless you reroute Ben in a three team deal. So yeah. I, I don't, uh, it's going to be tough to move Ben. I think yeah. they'll want to, but will they? I don't know. Probably not, but they'll definitely, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking into it. Lucas, I remember last year when the Harden trade was being announced and we were talking about, would we, like, I don't know if it was Harden was speculated. I think it was beforehand, before they knew Harden was on the trading block. But you and I were talking about Ben Simmons or Kyrie, like if we swapped Ben for Kyrie in Brooklyn. And I said, like, adamantly, I'd rather have Ben Simmons and then said we would do a... You were correct. <laughs> who in the NBA I would take over Kyrie Irving. And it was pretty much any, everyone. And... I think we forgot to do that in the off season, so that would be a great podcast episode to bring back who John mm-hmm. would take instead of Kyrie. But um, mm-hmm. that takes us to our last topic tonight. So just since we're halfway through, thought we'd touch on some midseason awards. We'll go Lucas, Chris, and me. Um, who you think should be front runner for these awards? So let's start with Coach of the Year. I think it has to go to Jock Vaughn. Before this whole entire Kyrie incident, Jock Vaughn has taking control of that messy Nets locker room and made the Nets respectable. I mean, look, they were, like we said, we thought they were contenders before the trade and maybe he can still make them contend at least playoff contenders. Like Jock Vaughn, in my opinion, should be the front runner by, by far. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I think Jack Vaughn and Mike Brown would probably be my top two. Ooh, Mike Brown's a good one, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give it to Jack Vaughn. Obviously, Brooklyn has a lot of season left, and it's unclear what direction that part of the season will go, but what he has been able to do, given some very difficult circumstances, it has been pretty darn impressive, and the Nets were starting to look like a contender there for a second. So I, I'll pick Jack Vaughn, too. I think that's a good a good pick. But this will very well change what happens halfway through. Go, sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. I was going to go with Mike Brown. I, I just think that okay. the Kings, they they look good. Like, not just, like, yeah. decent. They look good. They're in third in the West. They have the longest playoff drought in North American sports. It's 17 years. Like, it's going to end. I think he's doing an incredible job. Got a great culture there. So, I'm going Mike Brown. Um, how about Clutch Player of the Year? This is a hard one. This is certainly a hard one. Because this is a stat that I had to think about. Like, who is some of the best fourth quarter scorers in the NBA? And if I remember correctly, I think the, I think I'm going to have to go with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Mm. Yeah. Um, honestly. This is a weird, this is a weird award. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. kinda, it's kind of hard to, like, gauge it, but it is a new award thing. 
So I'm, I'm going to go with Shea because I feel like without him, that, that team would not – he's clutch. He's yeah. won games for him, and I think – sorry, go ahead. No, I, I don't want to just agree with you the whole way through, but I, I, I think you're right. I, I think Shea would be my pick for that, that award, too. We're going to get three in a row, Jonathan. Sorry, I was muted. I am going three in a row with SGA again. <laughs> hate the University, But what I wanted to say was, you know who is leading the NBA in fourth quarter points? Do either of you have a guess? I know it's a guard. I just can't remember which guard. Is it J- Jalen Brunson? It's Jalen Brunson, isn't it? It's LeBron James. Oh, LeBron. Okay, well, okay. That makes sense. But I think it's total points scored, so depends on who's playing game. Like, if the people miss some games. But um, all right, next, how about rookie of the year? I think this one might be unanimous. Yeah, it's Paulo. Yeah, it's Paulo. Um, it's Chet Holmgren in my heart, but uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. Paulo's going to be a multi-time All Star. Paulo's going to be a multi-time All Star. Yeah, this is an easy yeah. one. Chris, your boy Chet got uh, votes for the All-Star game by some As he player. should. As he should. Um, he hasn't played a game. He has played a game in my heart. Um, yeah. Paolo's has he played a game? Favorite here. The more interesting <laughs> debate is who's number two. Oh, but, gosh. Um, that's a – okay. I'm, okay. Two things. One, Chris, he didn't play a game in your heart. He's playing a game with your heart. Okay. That's, that's one. <laughs> two – more importantly, here's my dark horse for number two. And I think you're going to like this. Walker Kessler. Ah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. I was going to say Jalen Williams. But I would go right. Benedict, Benedict Matherin. Matherin's I mean, like a solid number three. Behind yeah. Jalen Williams. Look, look, if he, be, if he was more of a complete player than just a scorer, I, I would agree. But yeah. he's really only scoring this year. Walker Matherin Kessler. Super hot start, but it's been a bit more up and down since like the first month. And yeah, Jalen Williams has been really awesome across the board for OKC. And Walker Kessler's already like one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. Yeah, I, I think it's Walker Kessler. I mean, as a number two, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I'm with you. Yeah, okay. and I, I'm obviously going Paolo for number one as well. I think he started, he did start the year with six straight 20 point games. Or 20 yeah. more games, which was, I believe, a record. So he's balling. Um, gotta, defensive gotta give player. Or, uh, before we get to that, I do just what I got to say. Got to give Orlando credit for always hitting on their number one picks. Yeah. They, they do a good job there. All right. You said defensive player of the year. This is a yeah. tough one for me because I don't feel like anybody's really stood out super strong for me. But if if I'm going by the numbers, I feel like I got to go with Jaron Jackson Jr. here, but I don't like going with Jaron Jackson Jr. here. I, Chris, you disagree with me. Make me change my mind. Um, <laughs> You're not going to make me change my mind, are you? You know, here's the thing. Is, oh God! It should probably be Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh come on! We <laughs> gotta disagree Jared, once. It is, it it's is Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr. Jr. He's been amazing. Uh, but I don't feel star. good he's about it. He's got I don't appearance to show for it. So I I don't feel good about it though. I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I do too. He's like uh, a massive betting favorite. So I'm uh, uh, I'm on. Okay, him. who's who's number two on your list then? 
I mean, second in betting, which again doesn't drive everything, but it's Nick Claxton. Nah, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't yeah, so do that. It's Jaron Jackson. Um, yeah. Right. What about most improved player? Ooh, this is a tough one for me. Part of me wants to say Jalen Brunson, but that's not the correct answer here. Oh, gosh. He's an all-star this year, too. There's no correct who? answer. There's no, 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 no. a very clear correct answer, guys. Okay. Do you, Chris, do you want to guess who I'm thinking no, of? No, I know who you two are thinking. It's who, who, are we th- who, who are we thinking, Jonathan? You are, you're both going to say Laurie Markkinen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Jalen no. Brunson is a is a second for a close second. Like it's 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 a real debate here in my heart. What about Shea? What about Shea Gilgis again? That's a really good one, but I've already given him my my clutch player. Yeah, I so, I think I think Shea was starting from a higher point than Lowry. Like I, Lowry, like we had all really given up on Lowry. Yeah, but he was like the fifth or sixth guy on that team last year, and now he's like an all-star go-to scorer. Whereas Shea was already a twenty-five like, point per game scorer and really amazing and edging towards top twenty status, and now he's just kind of cemented himself there. But he's getting thirty-one a night, and he has the Thunder in a playing spot, and they're a team that when hey, Chet got hurt, everyone was like, "All right, this team has no expectations." Like he is balling. Nobody. Appreciate Shea more than me. I'm I'm with you. I would be totally fine giving it to Shea, but I will say yeah. no one had any expectations for Utah either after they traded their two All Stars, and they're in the playing tournament as well. They're yeah. a game ahead of OKC. Well, let, let's just think about Lowry marketing here. Lowry marketing was a high uh, pick. Jim, part of the Jimmy Butler trade to Minnesota, right? You know, we thought, oh, maybe he'll be the next Dirk type thing, and then he just didn't work out in Chicago. So we gave up on him. He had a year to what was it, two years in, in uh no, a year in Cleveland. He did good, but he was just like that fifth starter type guy, right? He comes to Utah and just is balling out, playing a hybrid like three four, because like he can't really defend either position, so it's weird, but it works. And he's just doing his thing. We should have seen this coming based off of how he's playing for his country in FIBA. But, yeah, no, it's, it's Lowry. All right. But I do so want to give that's, that's going to take us to our uh, – sure, we're going to have a fire discussion on this one. Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Do we want to talk about sick man of the year? We forgot to write it in. Should oh, we? I okay. did. I did. I did. Yeah. Six okay. man of the year. Yes, yes. Six man of the year. Um, I'm going, this is, this is, oh gosh, this is a tough one. I'm not going to say Tyrese Maxey yet because he hasn't played enough games. I can't say Tyrese yet, but he might be mine by the end of the season. But if we're going off of current players now, I feel like me and Chris are actually going to be agreeing on this. Chris, do you have Bobby Portis as yours? Uh, He wasn't going to be my pick, but that's a good pick. I got Bobby Portis. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was going to go with uh, – well, let me – hold on. Let me make sure. Let me – I'm going to stun you with some odds. That, well, actually, I kind of thought – they have yeah, Malcolm, no. Malcolm Brogdon leading My the pick is Brogdon, yeah. But uh, second, and on some books, a favorite, Russell Westbrook. Look, yeah. I mean, Westbrook is, like, averaging seven assists off the bench. And, I look, he is a top five six man. 
But yeah. he can still get played off the court in playoffs. I'm sorry. And he still Matthew loses Brogdon, games. Matthew Brogdon is so much better than Russell Westbrook. It's yeah, he is. He is. He is. He is. But he is. But but Westbrook is. We got to give him credit that he is a good sixth man. Russ is a good sixth man. He puts up numbers because that's who Russ is. Um, Russ has been pretty rock solid for LA. I, he deserves a lot of credit, but Brogdon has yeah. been really incredible for the best team in the NBA. Um, so. I mean, it, are, are the Celtics are, are are the Celtics still the best team in the NBA? By are record, they? by record, but are are they? I, look, I I just say this: Bobby Portis is averaging fourteen and ten off the bench this year. Chris, if I remember correctly, you gave similar love to Kevin Love last year, right? And you had Kevin Love over yeah. Tyler Hero well, putting Malcolm up similar Brogdon, numbers. Malcolm Brogdon wasn't off. Coming off the bench last year for Boston, was, I'm just saying. I mean, look, give Bobby Portis some respect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's who I'm putting my lot in was Bobby Portis. I love right. Malcolm Brogdon with the bench player for the real best team, and, and argue that it should be Bruce Brown. I'll hear you out, but no, Lucas, no. you could put some ser- You could win some serious money if Bobby Portis wins. So you might want to go. Check I don't, I don't, I don't bet. I'm sorry, I don't do that. I will say I agree with Chris though. I'm going Brogdon, but if Maxi continues coming off the bench and is eligible, he should win it. Yeah, the um, issue with Maxi is that he missed almost 20 games, and he started 20 games too. So that's half the season. Yeah, that's what right. I think is going to stop stop Maxi. But all right, yeah, let's get to the let's get our great conversation on MVP. I'm excited for this one. So Lucas. Uh, you go for- <laughs> So here we go yet again, Chris. Are you ready? We're gonna sound like two parents fighting on this one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Joel, and the reason is is because of that matchup the other week. Joel made his statement, and he made it loud, and he made it strong. And I look before that statement, I had no doubt that it was gonna be Nikola Jokic. But Joel made a statement. The Sixers have been one of the hottest teams in the NBA, barring tonight's loss and the Magic loss, because Magic, the Magic somehow beat really good teams. But, like, it's Joel Embiid by a slim margin just because that statement game was a statement game. Joel Embiid is leading the league in scoring, or second to Luka. He is the best player on arguably the best team. And, yes, the Nuggets are number one in the West, and Nikola Jokic is averaging a near triple-double. And, I look, before that game, I would have been okay with Nikola Jokic getting it because I thought he deserved it. But he, did, he could did, did not step up in that game. His team did not win that game. It was all Joel, all Sixers. I got to give it to Joel. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I could sit here like Lucas and – Based my entire case around one game, oh or my. I could actually uh, take the entire season into account and be objective and give it to Nikola Jokic because he's he's been the MVP so far. Chris, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm twenty-five, gonna... eleven. Hold and on, 10. he's shooting sixty-three point two percent from the field. This is not a guy taking like doing the Rudy Gobert shot diet. I don't think room. I don't need to be the person who downplays what he's doing it is insane what he's doing he's averaging a triple double as a center yeah i'm not gonna i'm not that i'm not gonna bring him down but the answer is joel Embiid. he's leading the league in points for the second straight year 
you know, before last year, no one had led the league in the NBA as a center since Shaq over 20 years, and Embiid's about to do it back-to-back. And then, like Lucas is saying, it's not you're not putting it all in one game, but he went 47-18 and 18 on Jokic's face. He dominated him. He led a comeback, and he outplayed him head-to-head. He, he has been playing much better, obviously, since he got snubbed from the all-star starter. And I, I mean, honestly... I don't know what else he has to do. He's like lead the league back to back years in points, beat up on the person who's supposed to be better than you. Like if he doesn't win it this year, he should just say like, take my name out of it from voting in the future because they're just never going to give it to him. This is the Uriah they hate on us. And it's so true. <laughs> See, Jonathan, I'm glad it that you're sucks. coming on. It totally sucks that he's not going to win it. I, I want him to win it as much as anyone, but. It, it, Jokic is objectively just kind of impossible to deny at this point, I think. I, I don't know. It's just, it's pretty absurd to, to be as efficient as he is and to elevate guys the way that he does. I, I, I know Joel is the best scorer. I, if you, there's a better argument, I think, for Joel this year than there has been the last two years. Like, I definitely think this is Joel's strongest. Okay, no, 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 no. We're not going to get into this again, Chris, because <laughs> you. No, the first MVP that Jokic got was a participation one because Joel missed 20 games during okay. that shortened season. That, that was the I only reason why he won it the first time. The, the second okay, last year. Okay, time out, time out. The only yeah. reason why he won it and does not equate to, like, that's the only reason he deserved it. We I'm not saying him- that he didn't deserve it. He had an MVP-level season. But Joel had the better stats that first year. And a lot of people, the main argument that you heard from the talking heads was, oh, Joel didn't play enough games for me. I couldn't do it. Most of the talking heads are wrong on a very regular basis. Like, Jokic was better that year, and he was better. No, no. Last year was a toss-up. I'll give you that. Last year was a toss-up. This year is also a toss-up. I'm going to go with Joel because he he dominated that head-to-head. I got to go with Joel on that one. If Jokic would have won that one, Chris, I would have agreed with you, and we wouldn't be having this argument. But he didn't. And so I have to make this argument. I and he gets – My like, responsibility. Yeah. Lucas is right. I mean, yeah, he missed 20 games. He misses out on that first MVP. I feel so bad. Like, rookie of the year, don't have to go down that path again. But, like, he was way better than Brogdon. And then all-star <laughs> starter snub. Like, he is just getting – this is going to be like a 30 for 30 or like a villain super story about like when Joel wins all these things like the Kawhi shot. I want all of that in like a montage and just be like, this is the MVP. Yo, if the Sixers win, you know what, Chris? That's okay. If Jokic gets another MVP, that's fine because I'm betting on Joel getting the finals MVP. Yep. Okay. Yep. I will say there's going to be no better television than a Nuggets Sixers finals if it happens. That would, that is my dream matchup. That it would be, be a sweep. Such, it would be a that sweep. is what me and Chris both predicted not, at the beginning of the season. Sweep. That is what me and Chris both predicted a Sixers Nuggets finals matchup. Did I predict Sixers Nuggets? Absolutely. No, 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 no. I predicted that. You predicted Nuggets Bucks. Bucks probably. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I'm just a hater, I guess. I apologize. Yes, you are. Yes, you mind. are. But no, I look. My favorite player, I promise. I, I I think I think that that's where we're going based off the East because the Celtics are faltering, the the Bucks yes are on the rise, but I don't know if I can trust their health this season. I don't know if I can trust the Bucks' health. Yeah. Um, 
So then it's the Sixers. Sixers have been the most consistent team as of late. And best best I, record I don't, in the NBA since January 1st. And like the Cavs, they don't got it this year. I think they're still player two away. I don't think they make that trade at the trade deadline for one. The Knicks, nah. The Heat, nah. The Nets, now, nah. Look, it's a three. It's a three-team race. Yeah, and the Sixers have the advantage at the moment, in my opinion. So, I think we have a real chase. Like the Nuggets and the Mavs are my two favorites in the West now. I mean, Golden State could come out of somewhere, absolutely, but like until they do. It's the Nuggets and the Sixers in the NBA Finals for me, and I have the Sixers winning it because I think Joel's going to dominate because he's going to take it personally. Just like he did in that regular season game, he's going to take it personally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jokic, fine. Get another MVP award. That's fine. Yep, run, Joel, the hate, run the hate but, up on Philly. But, 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 but you know what? Joel's going to get the Finals MVP. I'm I calling. hope so. That's that would be a wonderful outcome for me. I hope so. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I I guess that's the end of the road, guys, for okay. for our first podcast in a post Uriah world. Um, John, super excited to have you on, man. It's gonna be a fun ride. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. You, you did great right? this first time, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is going to be super exciting. As always, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible. You can also listen as well as read our written content at thesixersense.com, which I would recommend you do. Um, so until next time, go Sixers. Guild birds, we're, we're getting closer to that. Um, that'll be fun. Uh, a lot of a lot of talk about the Chiefs winning lately. I, I don't really agree, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk to everyone soon. Go Sixers.